Psalm 118. And you'll notice the last verse of the 118th Psalm. Verse 29 says this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for, because, for, He is good. That's the last verse of the chapter. I want you to notice the first verse of the same chapter. Verse 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Okay, so the opening and the closing of this psalm is pretty clear. Simple truth, glorious truth, God is good. And of course, it's not just here in Psalm 118. The first line of Psalm 106 says, Give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. The first verse of Psalm 107 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. The first verse of Psalm 136 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. The last verse of Psalm 100 simply says, The Lord is good. And then one of my favorite references is across the page in Psalm 119. You'll notice what it says in verse 68. It says, very simply, Thou art good and doest good. You may remember what the Lord Jesus said about to the rich young ruler when He said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. A few weeks ago, I was teaching our young people in Sunday school, and we talked about Psalm 119 and how unique it is in the Bible for several reasons. Obviously, not only is it by far the longest chapter in the Bible with 176 verses, but if you just look down at your pages right now, you'll see that it's divided up into these very unusual sections. You'll notice the Hebrew letter, the Hebrew word, before each section. That's because the entire psalm is an alphabetic acrostic. It was taught this way to help kids memorize the verses. This section, for example, that we're looking at right now with verse 68 is the Hebrew letter teth. And yes, in Hebrew, all eight verses in this section begin with a word uh, that starts with the letter teth. The section before this, every first word begins with keth and so forth. Every verse begins with that Hebrew letter that you see. And this follows throughout the entire Hebrew alphabet. So that eight lines per letter, eight lines times 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, that comes to 176 lines or verses. And of course, what's also unique is that it, in 175 of those verses, there is some form of reference to the Word of God whether it's called precepts or His laws or His judgments or His statutes or commandments, in eight different ways, nearly every verse mentions something about God's Word. And in so doing, this psalm affirms not only the character of the Scriptures, of the Bible, and God has a very high view of the Bible, but it affirms that the Bible reflects the very character of God Himself that we preached on this morning. Seven verses, for example, in this one psalm speak of His righteousness, His trustworthiness, His truthfulness, His faithfulness, His unchangeableness, and so on. Seven of each of those. And all of that is an infallible testimony of who and what and our God truly is. Which makes our text, one of these texts, all the more powerful. You see, not only does every verse in this section here of Teth, not only does every verse begin with the letter Teth, but almost every verse begins with the same Hebrew word, Tob, which is the word good. In other words, 
if you had your Hebrew Bible, if you're a Hebrew and you're reading it in Hebrew, verse 66 would say good judgment and knowledge. Verse 68 says good art and thou art and doest good. Verse 71, good for me that I have been afflicted. And so it goes. You get the point. So that over and again, in, in a multitude of ways, the goodness of God, even in the midst of affliction, as you'll see it a little bit, the goodness of God is just highlighted. Over and over, it is stated, it is emphasized by the Holy Spirit of God as a reminder to us that the one thing Satan seeks to rob from us is the truth that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And as with all of those other references that we just mentioned earlier in the message at the beginning, also here, verse 68, it's just simple. It is as simple and yet as powerful as any truth you will ever find in all of the Bible. It's a threefold chord, and it is a threefold chord of majesty and wonder and glory, which personally I have found in the past several years to be a shield against the fiery darts of the devil. A threefold chord that is not easily broken. Three truths in the text tonight I want us to consider. And the first one concerns, number one, God's character. Now, I want you to stop and I want you to think and ponder for this for a moment because this is vital, as Andy mentioned just a moment ago. What does it say? What did we read over and over and over again? Give thanks because God is good. Now, beloved, please hear this. There are a lot of folks, there are a whole lot of folks who claim the name of Christ and they testify very sincerely that God is good. They say it. They sing it, they affirm it, they rejoice in it, but they do so, many people, on a very surface, sentimental level. They say, oh, God is good, I got the job. Oh, God is good, we won the game. God is good, they'll text it, Facebook it, God is good, we found our our cat who was lost. God is so good we sold our house. And you know, there's nothing at all wrong with that. As a matter of fact, you should say those things. You should affirm those things because it reminds us that God is good and every good gift comes from above. God is good. God is good when you close the deal. God is good when you win a soul or you avoid an accident. God is good. And that's how some people feel. And that's only how some Christians feel about the goodness of God. However... Those are the same people who endure or experience something akin to a tragedy, a failure, a defeat, a huge disappointment. And suddenly it's not the goodness of God they talk about. It is not the goodness of God they affirm or rejoice in. It's the wisdom of God that they question. Why would God do this? This isn't fair. This isn't right. If God is a loving God and so on, I don't understand. Which, let me say this carefully, above all else, that attitude, that sentiment, first and foremost, is an indictment against the character of God, meaning it is an indictment against the goodness of God. For some people, God is good when life is good. But they don't feel as if God is so good when life is bad. That is an entirely understandably human, albeit carnal, emotion. 
And there's one problem with it. It's not true. Every one of those texts that we read a moment ago states this, God is good. And it states that God is good without qualification. It's his character tonight. As a matter of fact, the fact that God is good is immutable, is as immutable as God himself. If God's children are successful, God is good. If God's children are suffering, guess what? What? God is good. God was good before man was ever created, and he will always be good into eternity future. So that our circumstances, whether mountaintops or valleys, our circumstances can never change the eternal nature of God. You know, I'm not one of these preachers who draws his theology or his doctrine from, you know, Christian novels or, or fiction. But I remember on one occasion when, when Rick was young and he was reading the Chronicles and there was a scene there that I went through and I've never forgotten it. Little Susan meets the king for the first time and discovers that the king is a lion. Aslan is a lion, the great lion, Mr. Beaver says. Oh, asks Susan, I thought he would be a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe but he's good. I'll never forget that line and thinking about that. And you know something tonight, there are a lot of things I don't know. I don't know who the two nominees are going to be for the president of the United States next year. I'm pretty sure they're both going to be really old, old as Moses. <laughs> 350 million people in this country, and we get old as Moses. I'm just kidding. I don't know who's going to be. You don't either. You don't know who's going to be our next president. I don't know when the rapture is taking place. I don't know where you should invest your money, if you have any. I don't know what the future holds in a thousand different ways. There are so, there's more things I don't know about tomorrow and the next day on day-to-day -day life level. There's actually some things about our God that I don't yet know. But there's one thing that I do know. God cannot be anything but good. God is good. God is good. You know, I remember back when Louise was sick at St. Mary's and me and the boys spent a lot of time there in Crystal. And I learned a lot about, you know, when you're 15, 14 hours a day in a hospital room week after week after week. Um, I, I could tell with the doctors and the nurses and the people in the hospital how easy it was for them to become jaded and numb in the midst of extraordinary heartache and suffering. I remember one night, two kids came. They were shot in a drive-by shooting, little ones. And I was in the cafe at the hospital, and people were talking about it just glibly, like it was they skinned their knee. Yeah, he got this bullet wound, da-da-da-da, and then drinking a coffee and doing all this kind of stuff. And I thought, wow. I had tears in my eyes. Trauma Hawk came and went all the time. And every time the announcement would say, trauma, trauma alert, uh, one, or one by air, they would say. 
And this happened all the time. And people who were laughing heard it, nurses and doctors, and they just kept on laughing. For me, I was like, oh, I wonder who the one is. I wonder what happened. You know, uh, at three in the morning, is it a wreck on the highway? What happened? It's human nature to get callous, cynical, or indifferent about people's needs and convictions, conditions. I did a, a what do you call it, a ride-by, a ride-along, ride-along with a cop? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Years ago, 30 years ago, Martin County Sheriff's Deputy, from midnight till six in the morning. And <laughs> this, this deputy was so cynical. I mean, we, we would see people falling in the streets, and I saw a wife with a huge black eye, and her lip was bleeding with a domestic, and the guy hit her. He was drunk, and, and I was heartbroken and just shuddering, and he was just like, ah, you know, he got in the car, and dumb this, dumb that. And I, and I thought, wow, these are the people, you know, our first responders and our nurses and our doctors and our, and our firemen and our, our policemen and so forth. These are the people that we hold up in our society, rightfully so, as our heroes. And yet, you know something. It reminded me that as good as everybody thinks they are or we are or you are, we're not that good. We're just not. Jesus said, there is none good but God. And since God is eternal and immutable, you know what that means? That means of all of His goodness is present today, just as it was 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, 4 trillion years ago, or that best day of your life. So that I cannot say, I cannot say that God is good when the sun is shining and then question His goodness when a storm arises. Say, well, I thought he was good. Of course he's good. I can say, and I know this is true, that no matter what the circumstances, if I were to receive a diagnosis tomorrow that I had a terminal disease, no matter what the circumstances, I know this. God is good. This is the character of our God. And it's the very reason why we have the second thing in the text. Number one is God's character. Number two is God's care. Now look again at verse 68 and notice what the Holy Spirit tells us. He says, thou art good and doest good. Now you do recognize, beloved, that the second part of that verse can be true without the first part being true. In other words, it is possible for you and I to do good things without you and I being good. For example, there was a man who once risked his life, legitimately risked his life, to save a German shepherd from burning in a fire. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, that's the kind of story you see on the Today Show. The animal story on our local news every night, it seems like. And that guy's a hero. Except in that case, it was actually Adolf Hitler who saved the German shepherd from burning in a fire. You know, being created in the image of God presumably enables you to do some good things. It doesn't make us good. What the text reminds us of, however, is that because God is good, that's why He does good things. His character is why He cares. I know that God cares about me regardless of what happens because that's who and what God 
is. There's an amazing scene in Exodus 33. And I want you to notice with me for a moment on the screen. Now, this is when God told Moses that he knew him by name. And Moses responded by asking God, please reveal yourself to me. Now, that's a good, that's a good request. I'd say that. God, can you reveal yourself to me? So it says in verse 18, and he said, I beseech you, I beg thee, show me thy glory. He, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Now, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. All my goodness. Why would God, answering Moses when he says, reveal your glory to me, reveal it, why would he emphasize that, the goodness, the goodness of God? And of course, on the next morning, if you know the text, when God does come to reveal himself, this is what it says. It's the next chapter, Exodus 34. Here's what it says in verse 4. And he hewed out two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went into the Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now he's going to reveal himself in verse 6. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. And the next verse says, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity. In other words, look, follow this. Moses asked God to reveal his glory. And in so doing, all that God had to do and all that he did do was show that he is a God who does good because he is good. You want my glory? See my goodness. And what that means, beloved, is that all of His goodness, unlike ours, all of His goodness is untainted and glorious and worthy to be praised. Speaking of St. Mary's, it reminded me of one of the things that that hospital does not understand. And that is that not everybody wants to watch CNN (laughs) 24-7. Every TV there in every room we ever went to has CNN on. And I don't even watch it one seven, one seventh of a seven. I just didn't want to watch it. So apparently 5,000 TVs over there, maybe it's changed through the years, but Rick, you'll remember this, maybe Crystal. All these TVs over there, they don't have any remotes, zero. And the only way you can change a channel is with a remote. And so I asked about a dozen nurses and they all said, oh, you can't find any remotes around here. Finally, finally, I located one and I put it on QVC so Louise could watch that instead of fake news or whatever. And then we moved. And unfortunately, we were moved, I recall, from the ER to step down and then back to to, um, ICU. And again, there's a TV, but nowhere could I find a remote. And so it should have been called CNN ICU, I think. But I anticipated that. I had a feeling that would happen. So before we left the room and they told us we were moving upstairs, I took that golden remote, (laughs) the precious. And I hid it in the drop ceiling of that room. In other words, you know, the drop ceiling, you put it up there and put it in the drop ceiling, I hid it there. And so we went to the room and I was an ICU. I said, hey, where's a remote in here? And they said, remote, Uh, LOL. And so I said, don't you have one down the hall somewhere? Because I didn't want to go down. I didn't have a pass to get into that, you know, it was a security room and all that stuff. And 
they said no remote. I said, you know what, I'll be right back. And there were like four or five people in there, nurses and people. I left, I took the elevator to step down, I waited in the corners like I often do. Brother Kevin will testify to this the other day in the emergency room, and I waited for a nurse to come and open up those magical doors, and I just followed them right out. And I went in there, and I got room remote, and I stuck it in my pocket, and I went back to the ICU, and I pulled it out, and about four or five went, oh, wow, you're a good man. What a pastor, Blaylock, you, you did good. And I thought, did I really? I mean, wasn't it kind of deceitful and selfish and borderline stealing? You know, and I've thought about that many times. How many of us think that we're good? Other people think we're good. Or we think that we do good, but it's for our, us. Maybe it's for reward or, or recognition. All of our good is tainted. Not so with God. He doeth good. He does good because he is good. Every good deed, thing, blessing he does for us is pure. It comes from his pure heart and character of goodness. When Peter introduced Jesus to the Gentile world, as we've noted many times in this pulpit, and all the ways he could introduce Jesus to the Gentiles, what would he say? He said, Jesus of Nazareth in Acts chapter 10 let me tell you about Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good. Man, that was so unlike that culture. That was so unlike the occupation, Rome, even the Jews at the time. He just went about doing good. You know why he went about doing good? Because Jesus is God. And the Bible says, thou art good and doest good. Every day, we are surrounded Every day, we are inundated, almost awash with the good things that God does precisely because He is good. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So every good thing comes from a good God. And that brings us to the third and the final truth in the text. Number one, God's character. Number two, God's care. Number three, God's counsel. Go back to our text, would you? At least the one in Psalm 119. Verse 68 says this, Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. Now, I want you to think about why God said this. See the little semicolon there? Why God put those things together. By the way, it ought to be that nobody really wants to listen or learn from anyone who's not good. Right? I mean, Muhammad, he wasn't good. He has nothing to say to me. I'm not interested in his statutes. Nietzsche or Karl Marx, Mao, no thanks. I have nothing to learn from anybody who's not good. Some of our young people go off to college, they sit at the feet of some faith destroyer, and our young people get enamored at these people because they're brilliant or they're smart, they've honed their arguments. And what they really ought to be thinking is, you know what, these people are not good. I was thinking about King David. In 2 Samuel 24, he was given this extraordinary choice, you may remember. He was given an extraordinary choice between three 
chastisements when he acted foolishly and he numbered the people and sinned greatly against God. And God says, you can have this, this, or this. And the prophet Gad went to David and he offered those things before him. And he said, you have to choose one of them. And none of them seemed good. And you remember what David said? He said, let me fall into the hand of the Lord. Just, I'm just going to be at God's mercy because His mercies are great and let me not fall into the hand of man. In other words, the lion wasn't safe, but he's good. Verse 71, just a couple verses later, says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. You see the connection? It is not good to be afflicted. Who wants to be afflicted? In this broken world, it's not good. All things are not good, but all things can work together for good to them that love God. In other words, because God is good, He doeth good. And because He doeth good, you can trust Him. Whatever His commands, and sometimes His will, if it's afflictions, you can always trust trust him and as every verse in this and that we mentioned a moment ago including the ones in this chapter testifies you can and you should we must trust his word thou art good and doest good so what teach me thy statutes i can trust them folks we don't have time to learn from people who are not good but since it is true that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, then all of His statutes, all of His commands and blessings and warnings, all of His truths, all of His Word is good. I remember when I was in high school, after three years at Martin County High School just north, and after three years, I was just starting to feel a little beaten down and spiritually tired. Just weary of the battle. It is a battle. You know, you're in the world. I'm a Christian. Carried my Bible to school. you got to understand, I didn't have um, youth group. I didn't have youth camps, PCC. None of that existed in my life. No besties who were fellow believers and so forth. And so the summer after my senior year, presumably getting ready for Bible college, the people where I worked, the people in my neighborhood, the people I'd gone to school with, my old classmates, they were always talking about how tough or boring it must be to be like me, a Christian. Man, you can't do this, and you got to do that, and you don't get to do this, and so on and so forth. And you know, rules and commandments and stuff, and, and after three years, that beginning of that summer, it kind of started to, to you know, wear on me. And they all had advice, too, including my bosses. And I remember one day after work, I saw a guy and a girl beside this guy's pickup truck, and they were getting in a fight, a yelling fight. And finally, he kind of smacked her. And I was driving my truck, my boss's truck that I was in at the time, really slow. I knew both of them very well. They were my age, but they were very, very lost. After he pushed his girlfriend, kind of hit her a little bit, um, he drove away and left her there, and she started, she's bawling her eyes out, she started walking home. So I turned my truck around, and I went over, and I pulled over, and I said, hey, would you like a ride home? And she said, oh, no, 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 she said, my boyfriend would be furious, he'd kill me and you. 
And I said, you mean the guy who left you here in the street? And I said, you sure? And she said, I'm sure. So I drove away. Late that night, my mom said, Jimmy, there's a girl on the phone for you. That never happened. <laughs> there's a girl on the phone for you. And so she and my sister are standing there because like, it never happened. And they wanted to find, well, who, who's this chick? And it was a girl I'd offered to write to. And she says, hey, Jimmy, hey, listen. And man, she was smooth, smooth talking. She said, I broke up. And I can't believe I didn't, I didn't get, take the ride. You wanted to give me a ride. You're so sweet. I've known you for years and blah, blah, blah. And, and, but if you want to hang out, this is late at night already. If you want to hang out tonight, I would love that. Okay, so I get it. I'm Captain Rebound here now, right? <laughs> and just as I started to answer, which was going to be, um, I didn't know. You know those Florida thunderstorms we get in the summers here? I mean the ones with the lightning. It's just scary. Just as I started to answer, lightning hit right outside our house. And I'm telling you, went through that phone. Like, and everybody hit the deck. And I dropped the phone, and I picked it up, and I said, bye, I got to go, Proverbs 7, or whatever, something like that. I think I said her name. I don't know. I said, I got to go, Julie. Later that night, I prayed, and I said, Lord, give me some guidance. Give me some direction. I could see Satan tempting me, and I said, just encouragement on this commandment thing. And sure enough, I, that morning, I turned to a random text. It blessed my soul then. It blessed my soul the next year, it's blessed my soul ever since to this night. And it says, 1 John 5, 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. That verse changed my life in that moment. I've quoted it many times in this church and to young people in particular. His, especially when they complained about rules, his command, this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. You know why? Because he's good. Because God is good and doeth good. And if he has a commandment in the Bible that applies to us and in our lives, they're not grievous because they're good. All I needed to see and hear on that day, God is good, God is love, and with God's love, he has commandments, and they are not grievous and I just want us to be reminded tonight beloved whether we're on a mountain or in a valley God is good all the time and all the time God is good it's who he is he can't be anything but good we've often referred to that wonderful text in Romans there's always a cycle that cycle of God's blessings and then apathy and then wickedness and then judgment and then repentance and then God's blessing. And you see it in the nation of Israel over and over again. It just goes around and around and around and you see it in people's lives. Well, why don't people stop the cycle? They can. And Romans tells us how. Knowing not that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. In other words, God is good and His blessing. You don't have to go to apathy. You don't have to go to wickedness and then judgment and then repentance. You just have the goodness of God, repentance, goodness of God, repentance, goodness of God, repentance. God is so good. And if you recognize his goodness, you don't go into apathy and wickedness. Because he's good all the time. And God's people said, 
Heads are bowed, please, and eyes are closed for a moment. Pastor, I'm saved tonight by the grace and mercy of God. I'm born again, but I needed this reminder that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. It's His character. And His character is why He cares. And it's why His counsel is always good. His commandments are not grievous. Pastor Blake, I needed the message tonight as a Christian, as a child of God, and he's spoken to my heart about something. Who would say that with heads bowed? Would you lift your hands through the building and amen and amen? You know, it is really true that a Christian is almost Satan-proof if he has gratitude and recognizes the goodness of God. He is, he's almost beyond the fiery dart temptation, so long as he's always recognizing how good God is because the goodness of God just leads you right back to him maybe you're not saved tonight so that if you were to die you don't know you'd be in heaven could we pray for you just pray for your salvation is there anyone here that's not saved with heads bowed would you raise your hand so we could pray anyone like that at all all right we're going to have a time of invitation and as always this altars for you for me to do business with the Lord and if God has spoken to your heart obey his voice won't you Father, thank you that we are reminded tonight of your goodness. That when Moses wanted to see your glory, you showed him your goodness. And I pray, Father, that we will recognize that it's who you are, it's what you are, that you're always good, that you cannot be anything but good, and that if we go through a valley or a trial or a heartache, it doesn't change your character. And therefore, your counsel is always good. May we rest in it. May we constantly repent because of it. Bless these who've asked for prayer, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.